May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, What is your name? What is your name? I've been reading a couple of books recently, one entitled Former People, about what happened to a layer of people in Russian society uh, just pre the revolution and certainly post the revolution, mainly what happened to the aristocratic level of people who were removed from their lands, uh, their money was removed, uh, their property, their riches, their jewels, and they were known as former people. It was their fate. A rough translation is what we'd probably say to somebody, oh, there has been. But it was much, much more sinister than just being out of fashion. Uh, sometimes I put uh, one of my old much-loved suits on and my sons will say, oh, Dad, that's not just so 90s, it's positively the 80s. Big lapels and things like that. But I say, if I keep them long enough, they'll come back round again. It's not that sort of a has-been. It's much more sinister. It was an attempt to delete people's identity completely. It's a very moving and a very dark book and a very dark story. And then uh, a companion book to that, which is a novel uh, called A Gentleman in Moscow, chronicles uh, the story of uh, a former person, as they were known, imprisoned in a hotel in the centre of Moscow, never ever allowed to go outside. And it's a very, very uh, interesting story. And these two books are companions to each other, former people. They lost not just their lands, their riches, in some cases they lost their name, and they lost their identity. Our identity, our personal identity, is fundamental to our psychological health, to know who we are and what is our name. I remember as an early teenager being told by uh, my parents, I think I must have been about perhaps 16 when my national insurance number came through. Do you remember those days? Yeah, the National Insurance number came, and it was a high moment for me. It was probably one of the, uh, other than birthday cards, one of the uh, uh, first official pieces of uh, uh, post I got from the government. I did feel so very important. But next to my name was my number. Uh, I hesitate to tell you my number because you'll hot-foot it down somewhere and say, I'm Canon Keith Farrow, and my number is such and such and such and such and such and such. And you'll have access to all my details little that they are. But my mother said these words to me, always remember your national insurance number and you'll go far. <laughs> I did remember it and uh, over the years of different jobs when I've been uh, offered jobs they said uh, you'll need to fill some forms in, perhaps you'll let them have us back, uh, let them have the forms back when you've gone home and found your national insurance number. And I with great pride have said my national insurance number is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And most people have gone, really shocked that I could memorise that. But my mother made it clear to me that I must remember this number. It was going to be with me for the rest of my life. She hesitated to say I'd be defined by that number, but it was an important number. But my personal identity and my name were more important than a number. Here in the Gospel reading, 
in Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39, here we read of a man who is described as being full of demons, demon-possessed. We see him stripped of some of the fundamentals of his identity. He says in verse 27, For a long time he had worn no clothes. Often our clothes reflect something of our identity. Albeit my suit's been a bit 80s and 90s. He did not live in a house. He had no place that he could call, this is my place, I make it my own. Uh, this is so me. He lived in the tombs, a place certainly of those who once had been. He found himself to be a former person. The community in which he lived, to be fair, had tried in the only way they could, the only way they knew, to keep him amongst them by chaining him up amongst them. It's the only way they could keep him within that community. Clearly, he was a dangerous person, but they kept him there, kept him safe and themselves safe. But he was there, but he broke the chains and ran away to live amongst the place of the dead, the community of the dead. He became almost a member of the living dead. He was lost to life, meaning and purpose. He's described clearly as somebody who is demon-possessed. And it would be a dangerous attempt this morning to try, in the time we've got, to analyse what was meant by the demons. But clearly, the mentioning demons is found throughout the New Testament many, many times. And Jesus was very quick to acknowledge the presence and the power of demons in his world. And dealt with demons, dealing with demons was quite a focus of his ministry. Clearly, in, in the time that has followed since then, science and medicine have sometimes identified and explained illnesses and human phenomena which could have been then described as demon possession. Now, the next sentence, I want you to listen very clearly to what I am saying. As a qualified psychiatric nurse, I am not, I am not, saying that mental ill health is demon possession. I am not saying that. I need to make that very clear. But what the demons had done in this situation was to dismantle this man's identity and to take over him. We even use the saying sometimes, lifted straight, really, I suppose, from the New Testament. If we talk about things which trouble us, or there's something that affects us, we'll say, oh, it's just my demons. Sometimes people say that, something that has always been a trouble to them. Oh, it's, it's just my demons. For some people, it's a, a fairly uh, innocuous thing. Uh, for others, it may be a very deep thing, which has affected them all their life and they need help and healing something which brings great stress that destroys them as a person this man had become identified by his demons what is your name my name is legion we are not what our demons are 
whatever our demons are. We are not and should not be identified by them. Whatever those demons are, hurt, pain, regret, broken relationships, dashed hopes, pain, grief, fear, the reaction of other people towards us and our difference can be a demon to us. We should not be identified by those. They are not our name. The man is overwhelmed by legion, and we too can feel overwhelmed by those inner voices and those actions and reactions which try to dismantle our identity in Christ. Can we hear the voice of Christ this morning asking us, what is your name? And Jesus responds, you are mine, I have called you by name, and you are loved. Christ brought order by his very voice and presence being a challenge to the demons. I once heard a sermon called The Gospel According to the Demons. It's interesting, isn't it, where the demons recognized Jesus. They were pointing to Jesus. They were almost preaching the fact that he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they shouted before him, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For it says Jesus had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. No situation that we go through can overwhelm Jesus. These demons have met their match. It's the end game. And whatever demons are in us, whatever affects us and tries to dismantle our identity, it has met its match in Jesus. It's interesting that they, uh, the demons call themselves legion, sort of an individual identity and a corporate identity. A legion was a, a, a goodly number of Roman soldiers. And you think about it, they were an occupying army in Jesus' day. And they were an occupying army in these, this man's life. However, this legion, these legionnaires, however arrayed for battle, had lost the fight in the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus deals with legion. He deals with the man and heals him. He tells him to return to his home, restored released and healed and the people come out to see what has happened and when they come to Jesus they find the man that lovely saying sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind clothed and back to his identity and what does it say and they were afraid there's something here of the parable of the prodigal son it says that the prodigal son, after he'd gone away, spent all his money, and found himself uh, feeding the pigs and uh, looking after the pigs and uh, saying, all I've got to eat is the, the slops that the pigs are eating. I'd be better off just to go back to my father and become one of, his, uh, one of his servants. And when he got back to the father, he found himself clothed and given back his identity 
but an identity that was even much more than he could ever, ever imagine. He was restored to his rightful place. Jesus restored the man, but things were not going to be the same. And they never can be. When Christ deals with us, heals us, restores us, things can never, ever be the same. The man whose life was blighted by chaos has now been given a vocation as a messenger of the grace of God. He doesn't go back to his community the same. He goes back a disciple, an evangelist. Things will never be the same for that community. This is discipleship. We should leave this cathedral church community and go out into what may be classed as our normal lives changed. But it's not just changed for us. It should be changed for those who meet us. For we are called to be disciples and evangelists, to make a difference in the world. We must expect to be changed and to be challenged. Jesus does not go in for the status quo. Here is the coming of the kingdom of God. It's tough stuff, and change is difficult. This is our challenge. And then we come on to the pigs. It is very difficult, probably in the few minutes I've got left, to really try to explain what was going on. Clearly, the demons went into negotiation with Jesus. It's interesting to, to read it again. They negotiate with Jesus. We don't want to go back into the abyss. Uh, I'm not a demonologist. <laughs> there are those who understand these supernatural uh, phenomena, uh, but it is said that, that demons need somewhere to go, and they were appealing to Jesus. Well, put us in the pigs. You, a good Jew, will not care about the pigs, will you? They were classed as unclean animals. Now, I don't want to go into the delving deep into this, but Jesus allowed them. He gave them permission. Is this not an indicator of Christ's authority over evil and chaos? And the demons went into the pigs, and the pigs, over they went, over the cliff. It is a costly thing, this kingdom of God stuff. It causes holy disturbance. The man's community were disturbed by the healing and the restoration of this man. They ran out to see what had happened. It was a challenge to their status quo. The pigs were happily eating the grass or whatever on the, on the hillside. And all of a sudden, that community found themselves, some of them, without a job, without food. Things had changed for them. It was shocking. I doubt if things ever got back to their version of normality. The chained madman becomes the unleashed messenger of the kingdom of God. His image was restored, restored into Christ's image. But not for self, this is not for self, this is not consumerism discipleship, this is for God's glory and the extension of God's kingdom. Jesus says, go back and tell what God has done for you. We too are called to a ministry of proclaiming what Jesus Christ has done. This is our ministry. We are, as a cathedral community, to be a place of hope, change and challenge.
What is your name? Let Jesus take on those demon wreckers whose effect dismantles who we are and who what Christ wants us to be. They will crumble before him. See yourselves in the mirror of Christ, not in the distortion mirror placed by the demons, which alters who we are and who God wants us to be. What is your name? In Christ, we have a new name of love. As Charles Wesley wrote, Over a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that sprinkled with the blood so freely shed for me, a heart resigned, submissive, meek, my great Redeemer's throne, where only Christ is heard to speak, where Jesus reigns alone, a heart in every thought renewed and full of love divine, perfect and right and pure and good, a copy, Lord, of thine. Thy nature, gracious Lord, impart, come quickly from above. Write thy new name upon my heart, thy new best name of love. Hear Jesus saying to you this morning, What is your name? Amen.